0: My name's Thomas Heatherwick. I'm a designer and we design buildings and we design places with a focus on human-centric experience. We're very interested in the gap that has seemed to exist for trying to make places be led by how they're experienced. Whereas in the past there's been a big architectural focus over the last almost a century that was led by very theoretical, heavy direction, which was powerful and amazing, but sometimes the human experience got squished out. And so we're trying to balance those two in the work that we do in different places around the world. I was aware of the impact of sound on environments from quite a young age because my father was a musician and when i was first working on building projects i remember my very first one when i was 21 and he came inside that building and he was just walking around doing this to hear the reverberation time and see how that felt as a space and i remember him saying oh this is a really good acoustic space and i remember thinking What? Um, And that was quite random at that time. But then it became clear as this studio, the studio's been going for more than two decades, that there had been this neglected area, which was the impact on our other senses. I mean, I've been very interested in a fuller emotional experience of place. And it's, seemed that the modern movement that had done so many incredible things in uh, rationalizing and sort of bringing together technology with placemaking and city making, one victim was the auditory experience and I think unwittingly the emphasis on a very hard aesthetic that was very driven by the orthogonal and happy to throw away carpets, happy to throw away curtains, happy to throw away nets, you know, and saying, this is absurd, do you need all of this? It's nonsense. We ended up with very pure, ascetic, sort of power which was we admired and it was kind of felt like there was a certain kind of progress, but we were simultaneously being led by a visual and missing that there's a strong auditory dimension that would come with that, which was very noisy places. There was one project proposal that we did, which was a, quite a spooky one actually. We, it was a brief for a sound barrier in Yorkshire along a new piece of motorway that was being built. and there was a very low budget for it and the idea was to reduce the sound for the residents who would, who were living nearby when this road was brought in and when we were scouring our brains for how to do something that would have this acoustic property first and foremost but also be very affordable to do but also have some visual dynamic we struck on this idea and I still wish we'd had the chance to do it. I don't think anything ever happened in the end. I don't know what happened. Um, but the, we, we'd experienced and seen pictures of people who turned their bedroom into sound recording studios. And the amateur way to do that was to get egg boxes. And you know when you see people when they put egg boxes all around the room so that in effect they're making their own mini anechoic chamber because they're trying to not get the same straight reflections back. And we were thinking, well, what's the architectural sort of civil engineering scale equivalent of that? And we were in a highway design context where there's a big road being built, and then started thinking about the, about r- traffic cones. You know, and a traffic cone in a way is like those lumps on egg boxes. And we contacted a, a traffic cone manufacturer and got a price for about eighty thousand <laughs> traffic cones and we could get them made in white in this uh, which would be kind of hose downable and they, they could also have the reflective um this reflective bit on them but once you click them together to make a six meter high wall of traffic cones it the it would have had that effect of absolutely sapping that sound but also as a visual texture when driving along, and also it was using actually a generic product from, from the world of highway design.